Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here with my friend Tim Beadle. And we are going to be talking about something Tim has been up to. You've heard snippets of it in the past about establishing a disciple-making ministry, not just the the generic discipleship we often talk about that everything seems to fit under, but actual focused disciple-making in an established larger church. Uh, so this past weekend, Tim had a, a key event in that. But Tim, why don't you just start, tell us a bit more about your position there and then what led to this yep. event on the weekend, and then we'll unpack that a little bit. Well, thanks, Darren. Yeah, the, the Lord has been up to some things, uh, not just recently, but I think I've shared another podcast seven years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer. I had my legacy conversation with the Lord. Lord, what legacy can I leave? And basically said, Beetle, like, like read the Gospels, listen to what Jesus said, and start making disciples that make disciples, mm. which was a, a new emphasis for me. I, I knew making disciples usually through the programs of the church, discipleship. But um, spiritual multiplication, the seed of spiritual multiplication was planted in my heart. And I envisioned one day being in a church where I could actually uh, watch the Lord make this happen. For 15 years, I drove around our district as a coach and I worked with churches. I was in for a day or two and then came back home. But uh, last uh, September, so that, that's like five months ago now, I returned from cancer treatment. I'm back in remission, praise God. And I was given the sole and uh, sole role and responsibility of disciple-making pastor. I don't know any other church that has that one. Yeah. And also the challenge is uh, a lot of people are doing things as almost like a parent church or, or like even what you're doing, uh, the 12th church. It isn't embedded into the guts of a, a traditional conservative church. And that's what I've been trying to do. That's what the Lord said. Uh, let's do it inside a large traditional church and let's see what happens. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's what the yeah. adventure has been. I called it the adventure of disciple making. Uh, it's been in the works for three months since I preached a sermon three months ago. Mm -hmm. And I called people up to really uh, weigh the claims of Jesus, what it means to follow him and then what it means to not follow him. And to be a friend of Jesus means, as uh, it said in John 15, that Jesus is going to share with us the Father's business, which is encapsulated in the Great Commission to go into the world with all authority on heaven and earth and make disciples that make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And, of course, we have the assurance that Jesus would be with us and is with us through his spirit until the end of the age. Yeah. So I said, uh, let's plan for something. We didn't want to get, compete with Christmas. So January the 13th, I put, put out the word and people started signing up who wanted to find out more about disciple making. And then uh, this past week, the weather started turning south, not warm, <laughs> sunny south, but like frigid cold uh, with wind chill, minus 48, 49 forecasted for this past Saturday. We had 96 people registered, and I said maybe if 50 turn up. Uh, Darren, we had 96 people turn up. Now, two did not come because of the weather, but two others sort of said, can we come at the last minute? Wow. So we had 16 tables of six people. We spent four hours from 10 to 2 with a healthy lunch. 
uh, just digging into God's big plan uh, for his people, for creation, and what it means, uh, the whole be fruitful and multiply, that was not only uttered in Genesis, but also throughout his ministry in John, that if we love Jesus, we'll obey his command. And he said he's chosen us and appointed us to bear fruit, fruit that will last. It happens when we love people. And so that's sort of the backdrop of what happened this past Saturday. I'm still sort of uh, just trying to process it all because the event is over, but the experience has begun. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is so, so excellent. I just want to even back up, Tim, just to, just to really um, recognize and put a pin in the uniqueness of your role and what's required organizationally from a lead pastor, maybe a board of elders yeah. to even give yeah. the freedom for that kind of role. I'm just, uh, really grateful for that. I, as I mentioned before, that's a church I interned at back in right. 1988. Uh, they were in a completely different location, a completely different size at the time. And uh, so, I, so I do have some connection there. But just to see the intentionality that they're allowing within that larger yeah. legacy church structure to have mm -hmm. someone go down a more intentional disciple-making pathway, to me is amazing. And so grateful and very I don't like using the word, but very excited about what can come of this. Yeah, yeah. And, well, uh, you know, 96 out of 96, you know, like you said, two didn't show and two extra showed well under 40 below windchill. I mean, it was a miserable weekend in Western Canada across the yeah, board. And to have that kind of a turnout, there's a lot of passion there. There's obviously a lot of desire to learn what it means to be disciple maker. So can you maybe walk us through the day? And in fact, let's even back up to him. What did you, when you preached that message back in the fall, what was the message? Yeah. Was the heart of the message. Well, the, the message was like four sort of random verses in Matthew 8. Uh, I sort of liken these verses to a repositioning cruise because it sort of just seemed to be a, a few verses to get Jesus to another place. Uh, it was after, you know, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had healed a few people. And then, then these verses said, when he saw the, saw the crowds, he called for a boat to take him to the other side of the lake. And a leader of the law came and said, uh, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus said, well, uh, foxes have holes, birds have a nest, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Uh, one of his disciples, not one of the 12, but another follower said, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I have to go and bury my father first. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. That was the passage. <laughs> and and oh, just within a, a that, nice, uh, a nice warm, fuzzy passage, eh? There you go. So I talked about the hard sayings of Jesus, how he wasn't looking for a crowd. And often he said something that sort of thinned the herd when it came to people who were tagging after him, maybe looking for another miracle or a free meal. Hmm. But he really uh, uh, put the, uh, as it were, put it all on the line that, that if you want to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something. Hmm. And um, uh, so I preach on that that day. I preached that Jesus uh, not calls us servants, he calls us a friend. And uh, there's a cost to following Jesus, but there's also a cost of not following him. And I think the disciples decided they were all in with Jesus. And uh, the business at hand, as I said, was a great commission. So uh, first of all, 1988, that's before I had my first computer, Darren. Like, like you're, you're getting pretty old there in terms <laughs> of... <laughs> Just, just rubbing that in. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of neat. Uh, you, you provided a couple of minutes of greetings to those who are assembled, and they really appreciated that uh, because there is an, an excitement and a bit of a buzz because this has never happened in our church before. I don't know other churches. Hmm. 
where almost 100 people want to learn and make a commitment to become disciples and make disciples. So, yeah. so now we're not talking about the traditional, uh, additional uh, sort of uh, experience of the church, where some go, some some leave, and then you sort of uh, at the end of the year when you have to fill out your report, uh, you plus this and minus that, and, and you get a total for your average attendance. Uh, we're talking multiplication, mm. uh, where these people are going to learn. Uh, by the teaching of Jesus, by the strength of the Holy Spirit, that they are designed and commissioned to be on mission with Jesus, to make disciples who then will one day make another disciple. Mm. And that is multiplication. And I'm just starting to see the fruit of that over the last few years in my own life. But for a lot of people, this is a foreign concept. Mm. And to be honest with you, to do this in a, in a large established church, it, it's been tough. Uh, staff are busy doing their own thing and they do a great job, but to even get on the radar for attention, for website space, for bulletin board space. This has been a five-month journey that only now yeah. uh, there, there's some progress uh, because people haven't seen the vision. They haven't caught it. This is like a new wineskin hmm. uh, and it's a new model. And, and that uh, you have to almost slow down to catch up to God's speed in this in terms of what he really wants to do. Uh, and to do a new thing amongst a church family that has always known, uh, been known to be successful. But uh, I challenged the church family and said, you know, we've lost hundreds of people over COVID. They've never come back. Mm. But we're happy the way we are because, you know, we're back to being a relatively large church. So so that's some of the backdrop in which I've been working sort of under the radar. But now, after this weekend, it's like we're an established, visible entity I've probably got 20% of the adult attendance in the church. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a, that's a, that's a crowd to be reckoned with. That's what yeah. I say. Can I just, I just want us to even back up to slightly again, Tim, I'm trying to make yeah. this maybe some principles transferable for people in churches. Yeah. So that Matthew eight message, what was the application then in terms of, you know, no field do was the sign up for yeah. this event part of the yeah. application or what was it? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, there is that passage in Scripture where a lot of people were following Jesus, and he looked at the disciples and he said, are you going to leave too? And they said, uh, well, where would we go? So they had worked through the fact that, that if they were going to be all in with Jesus, he was going to cost them something. Mm -hmm. And uh, disciple-making, uh, you know, it's easy to sit in, in, in the comfort of, of a chair or pew in a legacy church uh, which is running really well, and God is being glorified and worshipped. But in terms of obedience to his commission, mm. like Jesus said, he would build a church. That isn't our job. We are to present him something that's healthy, because healthy things grow naturally. And uh, he said he'd build the church, and he wants us to partner with him in terms of his model, which is to be fruitful and multiply. Mm -hmm. We never really speak about the multiplication aspect. And so people are getting kind of excited. One of the things that we taught, uh, and these people, they just signed up because they, they wanted to learn more. And so uh, sort of just uh, systematically, we just started at the beginning of what it means to be part of God's big story. Mm -hmm. And then, we went from there in terms of what I called uh, the basically the the character and life of a disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple? 
I know you've written a book on the DNA of a disciple, but before we start doing, we have to understand what it means to be. be being always precedes doing. And so we, t- we talked about two things. First of all, when God looks at the world, if you had to describe uh, how God would describe the condition of the world in one word, what would it be? Hmm. And uh, we talked about that, and we came up with the word lost. When he looks at the world, he has a sense and a burden of lostness. And and the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, the parable of the lost son and the lost coin and the lost sheep. And I'm not just talking about things that can be replaced, like when you lose your wallet or car keys or or phone, but loss of relationship. We, We talked about has anyone ever felt they've been estranged from someone or like we have some grandparents in the church and their kids have cut them off from having contact with their grandkids. And these grandparents are just grieving. And I believe that's the lostness burden on the heart of Jesus and the heart of the father. So I challenge people. I said, if you want to become a disciple maker, this isn't a make work project where we're trying to fix people. You have to be overwhelmed with a state of lostness for the condition of the world. And then you have to be, uh, appreciative of what it means to be called to be a disciple of Jesus. And I've mentioned this before. Not all, all our young Jewish boys and girls grew to be disciples. Hmm. Uh, most of them didn't because they went back and then they worked in the fields and the shepherds and the fishermen and the zealots and the tax collectors. Only a select few were called to be disciples of the rabbis of that day. But think of this. Jesus has called us to be his disciples it's the highest honor you could ever receive this side of heaven. And so we talked about that. So that's how we framed it. And then we talked more about, you know, the life you have to live and, and things like that. And then we went into the making of a disciple maker hmm. with just, uh, so from now on, what does that mean? Well, Second Corinthians 5.16. So from now on, we don't look at anyone from a worldly point of view. We look at people through God's perspective. And we're, we're using Dan Spader's model of four-chair discipling. That everyone sits in one of these four chairs, Uh, you know, the unbeliever, the new believer, the apprentice worker, and then the disciple maker. Uh, As I addressed the 96 people in the room, he said, for the first time in a crowd that I've ever spoken to, I'm going to address you not as a believer, but as an apprentice. Mm. Because it's a different conversation. Uh, And it means that we have an orientation not to self, but to others. Yeah. And because of that, uh, you know, there, there was a silence in the room. And by the end of the day, there are all these little aha moment light switches went on to the point of, uh, I think it was a highlight of many people's, uh, at least the last ministry year. And it was a challenge, maybe one of the greatest challenges they've had uh, in their life in terms of growing in Christ. Wow, that's beautiful. That's so so excellent, Tim. You know, when you get a group like that, in a way, they've all, they, they're coming to learn more about what it means but they've yeah. already taken a half step that way. It, it's not yeah. like they're they're no longer passive. The inertia has been broken and they're forward moving. And so yeah. you had an opportunity there to present them some of the bigger picture to, you know, to model for them and that. And then for them to understand that that is the call of a follower of Jesus Christ, that that's part and parcel of following Jesus. Yeah. You know, I, I'm very, you know, very interested to see where this goes from here. And, uh, you know, were there any other core concepts you dropped on them on the weekend there? Well, well, we talked about, so how do you actually help someone cross the line of salvation? Hmm. And we have uh, developed a tool that looks at different postures that people might have before they actually uh, cross that line. 
from being completely disinterested to curiously seeking. And so now we, we have a tool, uh, and I'd be happy to send it to anyone electronically if, if you reach out to me. I make disciples at gmail.com. And, um, and we ask a question in that tool, what, what's stopping you right now from receiving the free gift of love in Jesus? Hmm. And when you ask that question to people and you're quiet, then they have to declare where they are. And there's some coaching questions. So where are you now in your journey? What's Where would you like to be in six months from now? And uh, I think uh, that tool now is in the lobby in my little disciple-making display. And people are taking them. And, and the funny thing is, two days after that, I got a call from a fellow who was here. Uh, he had to return to Albany, New York, where he worked. He's going to marry a gal in the church in a few months. And uh, a professor at the university came to him and says, I need help. I have three guys who, who want to learn how to walk and find Jesus in their life. And uh, John, who is the guy, he says, I forgot to bring that brochure with me. Can you send me a copy? So I sent him and, and, and this professor, Sean, a copy. So we've been talking and and uh, to have sort of an objective view of this tool, he said, this is brilliant because you're, you're not pegging. People select themselves where they are in the journey. Yeah, excellent. And then the, and then the, yeah, and then the other thing that we did present uh, for the first time is what do you do with a new believer uh, so that they don't fall between a crack and that you don't just put them in the general population of the church. So we talked about uh, different topics of uh, how to establish them in their faith. And then also uh, we, we took a model out of the navigators that talks about what it means to be obedient with Christ in the center of your life. Hmm. And I call it the Christian IOU, the in, uh, the out, and the up. And there's, uh, in this little uh, model, uh, it's like a, a wheel with four spokes. The horizontal spokes talk about, in the next two years, we're going to teach you how to witness and share your faith. That's the out. We're going to teach you how to have true fellowship in the body. Find your place, your gifts, and all that. That's the in. And then the prayer and the word, which are the uh, vertical spokes. Uh, this is how we're going to focus our life on Jesus Pray to the Father and be obedient, and because uh, that's what in the Great Commission, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And we believe, um, rather than wait till people are our age to say I'm finally getting it, uh, is that people within you know within months to a couple years will have enough of an understanding to be able to be used by God to start a new cycle of those who uh, want to find Jesus. And and that's where the multiplication will begin. Oh, that's, that's just so excellent, Tim. I, I, uh, just wondering what is your, you know, next measurable step? I mean, the, the message yeah. was a big catalyst yeah. for sure. Yeah. You've been doing a lot yeah. of work with individuals. Now you've had this event. What's the, the next step in the journey there? I know I need, I need some help. Maybe people can write in and tell me. So, so what we're going to do next step, uh, I just wrote to everyone, uh, yesterday. And I said, okay, number one, what's your greatest takeaway? What's the questions you still have? Mm -hmm. Because, again, uh, this is an organic movement. We have to put structure around it, but structure that will lead. So for the time being, we're going to have uh, monthly gatherings where we can come together and pray together, share testimony, answer questions. And then there's a, a few other key people who participated in that day who are going to come back for follow-up. And eventually, uh, what's going to drive this movement is to get people into missional huddles, hmm. small groups that's based on meeting to talk and pray about those who 
Jesus is going to bring into their lives to learn how to do discovery Bible studies together, to seek for people of peace in their neighborhoods, those who will be open to accommodating a gospel discussion. And after that, I don't know. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to see organically how this grows mm -hmm. and then okay. how it uh, can cross-pollinate with church life. That it, it is a great church. It just lacks the reproduction and multiplication piece. So, so that would be part of the, the, the challenge. Fortunately, our lead pastor is a good missional guy, and so are a couple others in the church. We're going to start talking about that, about what a what a, a culture of missional multiplication will look like, because mm -hmm. that's a conversation we haven't had. Oh, wow. That, that, is, that is so excellent, Tim. I'm very, very happy to what I hear. There will definitely be checking in and hearing yeah. about the steps along the way. And uh, you hinted a lot today, more than hinted. You used the concept of multiply and multiplication yeah. quite a bit. And that really primes the pump for our next, probably our next yeah. call, next recording, where we'll yeah. uh, talk about the missional living map, which it all points to multiplication. Yeah. That's really, you know, that's where disciple making happens, multiplying ourselves, yeah. multiplying groups. Uh, but for now, I just want to, you know, encourage anybody who's in a legacy church, wondering if it's possible to get a disciple making ministry going. It is by the grace of God. And yeah. maybe there are some ideas that Tim shared that will give you some next steps there. A, a good yeah. message on what it means to follow Jesus with a concrete application to learn more. I think that's not a bad template, Tim. And uh, I, I encourage our listeners to maybe try that out if they're in a position to try that out in their churches. Yeah. Now, now to do this, it's going to take a lot of risk and you might be alienated for a while, but um, all you have to do is find a few people who have a heart for this. And, and of course, this is the way of Jesus. So this isn't trying to ask God something he, he hasn't thought up in the past or mm -hmm. to ask Jesus to lead us to a place he hasn't been or ask the Spirit to, to direct us to, to foreign territory. This is central to the heart of God for his mission in the world. And to think that we're part of this great adventure, um, yeah. that should get a few hearts stoked with a bit of fire. And again, if you want to reach out to me, uh, email me at imakedisciples at gmail.com and let, let's start a conversation. I have a conversation going now with a professor in Albany, New York, just because uh, so often we aren't prepared or have tools or know what to say next. But uh, thanks to the Lord, he's called us. He's made it plain and clear, and we have to obey his calling for us. Amen. Well, thanks, Tim. I just want to say thanks for pushing ahead with that ministry as a model for us, for many people, and we'll follow the adventure with, with anticipation. Thanks for joining okay. us today. Look forward to having you with us next time on Disciple Making. God bless as you seek to be a disciple who makes disciples. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.